My name is Suming. And I'm Suba. Welcome to the Safe App Podcast, a podcast where we talk all things medical aesthetics. And today we are very pleased to be joined by Amy. Hello. Hi. So Amy is our friend. We have deliberately used a pseudonym to keep things confidential for her. So let's just dive in straight then. Why don't you start telling us a little bit about yourself, Amy? Sure. So I'm in my 30s, early 30s, and I've always been, I guess, really curious about the idea that you can change your body or, or do do things that, I guess, to you make you look more like the version of yourself that you have in your mind. So I actually started off when I was much younger in my teens getting piercings. I've always been into dyeing my hair. Yeah. Um, and I guess I like the idea that you can play with your appearance. Yeah. So when, um, I guess when I was growing up, my mom used to joke that she'll get Botox one day and it was like <laughs> quite a taboo thing back then. I don't think a lot of people did it. But um, in the last few years, um, it's become really fashionable almost, I guess, to get you know, um, different now really common procedures like uh, getting fillers and even uh, Botox and people are talking about baby Botox, which I've learned is not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) But I think um, when I saw non-invasive procedures becoming more um, accessible and more talked about, and it was so easy to just find someone near me who could do it, I became really curious and I just wanted to give it a go. Um, Earlier in my life, I'd considered doing um, breast augmentation when I was much younger, but looking into the risks um, that come with such an intense procedure, I decided against it, but ultimately I ended up getting um, lip fillers done a couple of years ago and most recently I had Botox done in my forehead and in my jaw and my masseter muscle as I've learned it's called yeah and um, I mean I think I'm still at the beginning of the journey I'm definitely still open to to trying different things yeah. I just like the idea that you can kind of tweak your appearance yeah definitely I know you said that so you had this injection into your masseter muscle and was that for specific reasons of like tense clenching or was it a medical yeah. reason you had that done? Yeah, so I spend a lot of time on YouTube and I watch a lot of women talking about their lives, whether it's organizing your house or getting, you know, beauty treatments done and things like that. And one of them talked about how she got this injection done to help with her headaches and with her jaw tension. Yeah. And that's something that I've struggled with um, for a few years where I feel like I hold my jaw it's, it's not even, I don't even clench. I just hold it really in a tight place, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit open. I even do it at night. And sometimes I wake up with tension around my face. Um, yeah. And I also feel the same around my forehead and my eyebrows to the point where my eyes feel tired. And I've noticed that happens when um, it's a stressful period at work or yeah. generally a busy period in my life. So mm-hmm. I was really excited about the idea that you could I guess take the easy route and get injections <laughs> to help rather than yeah. trying to, you know, do a yoga routine or try and, <laughs> I, I tried a lot of other things to de-stress and they didn't seem to be working. So I thought, why not, you know, get in there and, and, and help the whole thing relax. Yeah. Um, and would you say that you've had some benefits following those treatments? For sure. I felt um, a massive benefit. And in fact, it's been about 
three months, I think, since I got them done, and I'm starting to feel the tension coming back, and I forgot what it felt like. It's not at the point yet where it's really painful, but I'm yeah. feeling a lot more tension. Um, definitely, I felt a huge benefit where it's like my jaw just relaxed, and I, yeah. and I didn't really hold it in that position anymore. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's really good. I don't think people understand that there are other uses for medical aesthetics. So it's really good that you're actually highlighting that there's actually other uses besides just for your appearance. Tell us a little bit about your experience um, from each of those visits when you went to get your procedures done. Sure. I think um, I would have to start describing my experience at the point where I start considering the procedure. Yeah. Because I probably spend the most time thinking about it compared to actually getting it done. Yep. Um, usually it's something that I start wanting to do and it's a mix of excitement but also anxiety yep. because I don't exactly know how to go about it, what to expect, what's normal, and where to go. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot of research. I usually start, um, like I said, looking at YouTube videos of people going to these procedures and what they actually entail and what they'll do to you in the, in the procedure too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. even with something like Botox, I don't know what you know what the size of the needle is. I don't know how long it takes. I had really specific questions like, could I go to work afterwards, or is it going to be visible? So I wanted to know all those things so that I could plan around um, how to fit it with my schedule, but also the cost. That's something I never really know how to understand, mm-hmm. and so I research a lot into that. Um, and then once I found someone to to see. Usually, I pretty much want to go straight away before I lose my nerve. So I find someone who can see me as soon as I can. Um, I think in the case of the Botox, it was about a week I had to wait. Yep. So did you you see somebody and then they they gave you a cooling off period where you went home to think about it or...? No, so they said I had to come for a consultation to be examined. Okay. And I wasn't sure if I could get... I remember asking her during the consultation, she was like, yeah, um, she examined me, she explained a lot of things, and and then I said, wait, so when can I actually do it? Is that something we can do now? And she said, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I was really relieved because obviously I didn't want to go away and come back. It's also a bit of an inconvenience, I guess, to go and travel. Um, This this place that I went to, compared to the place I went for my lip fillers, was a lot more medical. Yes. All white. There was, like, pictures of different things to do with other procedures they offer. It felt like a mix of a spa in a hospital, if, if that's how I can describe it. Yeah. And um, I waited for a bit, and then I went to see the doctor. I researched her before, and I read her bio, and I looked her up on LinkedIn because I wanted to make sure she had a medical background. And that was purely because of meeting you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Drill it into you. <laughs> yeah, when I, get to get, when I went to get my lips done, the guy said he was a doctor. Yeah. But then I later researched it and found out he wasn't a medical doctor. He was like a philosophy doctor. Yeah. So obviously that's the dodge. So I wanted to know that this person is definitely a medically trained doctor. Yeah. She had really good uh, qualifications. She's been involved with cosmetic procedures for a long time, mm-hmm. almost since they become available in the, in the UK. And she trained under um, somebody who sounded really reputable. Yeah. And I had a choice of four practitioners. There's like a nurse level, and then a junior doctor, her, and then her boss. Ah, and okay. And the costs were really different. So All right. For, for the one 
down from the most expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to get something good, but I thought, let's not overdo it. Let's go mid-range. <laughs> yeah, the owner of the clinic was obviously really busy and also really expensive. Yeah. But she sounded great, so I went in to see her, and she asked me what did I know about um, Botox, had I had any procedures before, what was my experience, and we just had a really nice discussion. I was really impressed with how kind and, and how good of a listener she was. Yeah. She asked me about why I was there, what my goals were. And then um, I explained what, what I wanted, what the outcomes were, which was a reduction in, in the tension. But I also said, you know, with my forehead, I would love it if it had a preventative sort of um effect on fine lines and yeah of course yeah whatever and I also told her too that I would love to prevent fine lines around my eyes yeah and she said to me how worried are you about them and she looked at my eyes and she said it's only on one side I have fine lines and Mm -hmm. she she would actually urge me to consider whether it's really important to me because they're quite fine and it's only on one side and I would be paying for both sides because it's an area yeah um, in their price list yeah, they won't do so one side I, and not the other. <laughs> so we decided together that I would go ahead with the master injections and with the forehead. And with the forehead too, I think they had different areas you could choose. So mm-hmm. we chose one area. So in total, it would be two areas, the masseter and, and one area, the forehead. Yeah. And I remember looking at the price list and they had packages where if you if you buy three treatments in a row, it's much cheaper and it's like 15% less. Mm-hmm. But she told me... It's possible to do, but because it's my first visit, she would recommend that I just do the one visit, and then if I like the the outcomes, then I can always come back and use that yeah. discount. She, she said she doesn't really recommend kind of signing up for a whole program when I've never had Botox before, Yeah, mm-hmm. which I thought was really reasonable. Yeah. yeah. And then we talked about um, the forehead the forehead injections for a long time. So she explained that in very rare cases, there can be a side effect where your eye, one eye or both can become droopy. Yeah. Explain why, and she drew pictures and so on. And and she said that in some cases it can happen and it can be quite disturbing uh, for some people, some, some patients. So it's something I need to consider and am I okay with that and so on. Yeah. And... And then we, we looked at a consent form together. She asked me to read it. I signed it. And after that, I went over to the examination area, and she asked me to sit down. She took some pictures, and she explained to me exactly how the injections would go, where she would insert them, how many there would be. Yeah. And then um, she showed me some of the vials and so on that she was going to use, and yeah. pretty much did the procedure after that. Mm-hmm. And throughout the whole thing, she explained everything. She was super nice, very reassuring. Yeah. And um, her bedside manner was perfect. I mean, I really felt super comfortable. I wasn't nervous at all. Yeah, that's really good. Definitely sounds like it. But how did you say you went about looking for this particular practitioner? Was it a random search online or...? Just Googled it. Yeah. And um, I looked at places that had reviews on Google. Yeah. I looked in my general area close to work so that I could go over lunch. Yeah, of course, yeah. Lunch break. Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about the previous experience then. You know the other one you said who wasn't a medical yeah. doctor? What was that one like? 
That one was very different. First of all, I mean, I'm kind of ashamed to admit how I even came up with it, but um, it was a salon close to where I used to live, literally maybe a two-minute walk, and I used to go get my nails done twice a month yeah. in that place. So I, I used to get uh, nail extensions. And then one night I was there, maybe it was 6 p.m., 7 p.m. on a Friday, yeah. and I saw all these women coming in. And I, was, and I asked them, you know, what are all these women coming in for? And they were like, oh, uh, once a month we have our aesthetic doctor who does, you know, fillers and all these things come in. And I was like, awesome, can I get lip fillers? That was literally it. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't even really considered. I mean, I thought about it in the back of my head, but I didn't really think it through. And I remember that that night my husband and I were meeting our friends for dinner nearby. Yeah. And so I only had a certain amount of time before they were going to come for dinner. So I was like, can you fit me in right now? Yeah. <laughs> and they said, um, let us go talk to the doctor. We think he's full, but maybe he can fit you in. Yeah. They came out and said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Um, gave me a consent form. I very much didn't really want to read most of it because it said a lot of bad things. A lot of really scary <laughs> things. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure they have to do it legally, whatever, and just signed it. And then I went in, and it was a dude, a, a man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm from an Eastern European background, and he was also, and we spoke the same language. And he started off, and this is, I mean, for all your listeners who aren't Eastern European, just keep in mind it's a much more um, gendered society still in some countries. Yeah. It can be quite intense about female beauty standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what he told me next is something that sounds abhorrent in the UK, but is like kind of normal. But Unacceptable. <laughs> so he looks at me and he's like, you're 30? you should have come five to seven years ago. I mean, our girls are, are doing Botox preventatively from like 23 years old. Oh, wow. Lines you have. oh wow. You should get Botox too. And I was like, no, I'm not here for that. And he's like, seriously, I mean, look at me. I have a bit here and here. And he pointed at his forehead and he goes, I could just do it real quick. It'll be no, not a problem. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't think I need to Botox right now. Just, you know, just focus on my lips and get on with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh wow. And, yeah, and so it was just um, it was just him in the room. He applied the numbing cream, if you can call it that, like gel. Yeah. Um, and I remember it tasted really bad. And then what I didn't expect is he did it with a cannula. So I know now that you can get your lip fillers done with a cannula or with a series of small injections. Yeah. Back then I didn't know anything. I mean, if he told me we do them by like knocking a hammer on a wall, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, I had no yeah. idea what yeah. was about to happen to me. Yeah. They pulled out this super long thing that I learned later was bendy, but it looked like a massive needle. And he's like, I'm just going to make a small incision in the end, end of your lip and then just insert it. And I, all I remember is sitting there and just hearing, like, a sawing motion going through my face, like, yeah. <laughs> with him getting the cannula in there so horrified I was like okay I remember telling myself you got yourself into this this is your choice this is fine it's temporary it's gonna end it's gonna be okay yes obviously injecting my lips and the whole time he's like seriously I mean look at the fine line here and look at the fine line here you could easily get it done and I was like dude 
Um, and I specifically requested he he do a really small amount of yeah. fillers because I wanted a, a more natural look. And he was like, let's put a bit more, let's put a bit more. And I was like, no, man. But one thing I will say is back then, I, I my main issue with my lips is my upper lip. It's a lot thinner. Yeah. And um, to sound like a predictable, like, traumatized child, I used to have a neighbor when I was a kid. <laughs> and she did my makeup for um, like Halloween or something. And she told me. Oh, for you, you have a thin upper length, you're always going to have to overdraw your eyeliner, your lip liner when you're older or something like that. Like, this says that as an Oh, no. <laughs> Traumatized child. I have to say, though, like, that, like, really le- lives on forever. <laughs> like, whatever they say. Yeah, yeah, like you will remember that one person who commented either on your acne or your scars or in your case your lip and you will remember it forever. And sometimes you feel it's a little petty or a little sad to bring it up because it shouldn't make a huge difference because you're supposed to be confident. Exactly. Yes. So, so I asked him to only do the filler in the upper lip and he said um, he thought it would look unbalanced. So he did recommend to do both. I still don't know if that's a thing. Maybe you guys can tell me. But anyway, he did both lips. And then I went to dinner, and my husband looked at me across the table, and he was like, You look different. different. (laughs) (laughs) And when I told him, oh, yeah, I got my nails on, and I also got lip injected, he was horrified. I was like, what? And um, my dad noticed in a photo, too, and he didn't even ask me. He went and talked to my mom, and my mom said he was really upset. My best friend called me and said, you need an intervention. I don't know what's going on with you, the year... So obsessing over your looks all of a sudden and getting like plastic surgery. I was like, it's not plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So she tried to stage an intervention because apparently it was out of character for me that these things. So it definitely was um, was a rocky experience. But yeah. look, I loved the results. I thought my lips looked great. And yeah. I went back. And then later, after the second time, when I established I still didn't like the guy, I decided I would look for someone else. Can I can I ask you a quick question? So when you said that you were handed the consent form before you were kind of ushered in to see him, then yeah. when you went in to talk to him, was there a, a process of him going through the consent form with you? You know, it was a while ago. I don't remember going over anything. Oh, was that I like read it in the waiting room? Was that like a consultation process before? Besides him telling you you need to do your fine lines, like did he? <laughs> Did you guys both agree on what you wanted or what you should He asked me, yeah, he asked me, you know, what kind of look I was going for. And that's when we discussed the dosage. Yeah. And showed me his Instagram page and how much his customers love him. But did he then, like, discuss the complications that could happen? With I don't the... think so. I think he said it's usually fine. And he even said to me, the way I do it is really safe and easy and you can even wear makeup and eat and do anything you want after this. Um, mm. That's why I use the cannula and not the, the injections yeah. or the, you know, the, the little needle. Yeah, it's I like, don't remember going in depth into any kind of risks, no. It's such a huge contrast between both of those practitioners. In hindsight, like, what was it that besides the time and he could fit you in, what else motivated he, you then to go to him? I think the two things that made me trust him are the place where he practiced because I'd been there before mm-hmm. and I had good results and all the staff that worked there are nice and the place was really clean and I saw how serious they were about 
I, I had waxing done there and I had my nails done and I knew that they did um, lashes and microblading and things like that. So I assumed, I just trusted that they would have brought in a good practitioner. Yeah, okay. And really the only thing that made me trust him in the end was were the results. Yeah. Because they looked really good. I didn't have any bruising. I didn't have any swelling beyond, you know, what you would expect. And when my lips settled down a few days later, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I love how I look. And so I decided he was good at what he did. I didn't at all consider the safety side. I didn't think about complications. Never occurred to me what would I do if anything went wrong. Yeah. Never occurred to me that he was basically a freelancer in this clinic and I had no idea if he had his own company, if he had a medical license. Yeah. Practice in the UK, like none of that went through my head at all. Yeah, it sounded like it was a very swift process between getting your nails done and then, oh, let me just get my lips done as well. Super swift. And I tried that approach in another nail salon I go to that also did the colors. And the lady told me, I have time, but I can't do them the same day. We can have yeah. a consultation. You yeah. have to go away and you can come back next week. Yeah. And so I didn't come back because I was like, it's a lot of money. Like, do I really care about my lips that much? That's what it came down to for me. I think as opposed to the, the more medical reason, I knew in the back of my head that I was getting my lips done as a nice to have. Yeah. So it was like the same mental process as if I were going for a facial or a scrub or anything like that. In my head, it didn't occur to me that it was a serious medical thing that never went through my mind. You know, this might be a little bit of a leading question, but um, can you tell us a little bit about how much did you know about the safety of the medical aesthetic industry, um, you know, when you were you know, considering these treatments, we'll say, rather than um, now that you've had these treatments? Nothing. I, I didn't know, first of all, that you even had to be trained to do them because I saw them in salons and, like, nail places. I yeah. just thought, this must be exactly the same as getting your hair dyed or something, you know what I mean? Like a semi-permanent thing that happens to be expensive. Yeah. Um, I never thought of, like blood flow and scar tissue and yeah. any of those infections. I, I think I kind of thought, okay, if they're making a hole in my skin, there could be an infection. But I was comforted by seeing, you know, gloves and disinfectant. I was like, great. I understand that you have had some complications. And I'm really sorry about that. But can you tell us a little bit more about your experience and, and how you feel about that? So after I got my Botox done, maybe three days after, or a week, a week, maybe a week after, I was noticing that I looked different in photos. And when I had the Botox done, the doctor did say it's going to take about a few days to a week for it to take effect. Yeah. And to be fair to her, she really explained to me how it works. So I used to think Botox, like, numbs you, but she explained that, you know, it, it stops the signals from the brain from getting to the muscle, and so the muscle doesn't respond to the signal of move and all that stuff. So I loved all of that. Yeah. So I knew that in about a week's time, I should expect some results, and I was waiting for my jaw to just feel more relaxed. And then one day I went out with my friends, and we took some pictures just in the sun with her children. And yeah. And when I got back home and I looked back at the photos, I was like, my face looks really weird. It looks like I'm grimacing, yeah. like I'm fake smiling. Yeah. And I thought it was just a weird photo. Yeah. And then the next day I noticed it in photos again. Mm-hmm. 
it occurred to me that half my face was smiling, but half of it wasn't. Yeah. So half of my face, one of my cheeks, whenever I was smiling, it wouldn't actually stretch all the way to smile. It would just move a little bit. Yeah. Um, kind of the face that you make when you see, like, running into a wall or something. <laughs> um, and then I have dimples on both sides of my cheeks, and one of my dimples was gone. Oh, no, smiling. yeah. And within the next couple of days, it just got worse. Yeah. And so um, I Googled it. Yeah. And I found out that it's a complication that can happen, that you can have a loss of smile. Yeah. And that it might happen in Botox if they inject um, somewhere close or into a muscle that helps to control your smile. And I was very upset because I was super embarrassed to to have a weird facial expression at work. People, I mean, I'm very open with my colleagues. They outraged for me and everything. But also... Whenever we had meetings or we were talking, they would just laugh. And they laughed in a nice way. I mean, they weren't making fun of me. They were just saying the faces I was pulling were hilarious. And I became just full of dread of meeting new people, new clients, having to network. I'm in pretty oh, no. position. And yeah. I'm facing position where I work. And I was like, what am I going to do? Because um, when I contacted the clinic again, they said that it might take up to a couple of months, so three months to resolve. Yeah. And I was like, I can't spend a quarter of the year looking like I'm a super fake, fake person. Yeah. Who doesn't smile genuinely. And yeah. I'm generally a really humorous person. You are a very smiley person. <laughs> yeah, and I connect with people through, I'm very expressive. That's how I actually emote. Yeah. And also, you talked about during the consultation, there was a lot of um, discussion about the forehead treatment that you were going to have. What about the masseter injections? Like, was there a thorough consent process for that as well? So I don't remember talking about um, the this specific risk. I remember she said that in some cases, people may feel that their jaw is so relaxed that if they chew something extremely hard, it may feel a little bit more difficult to chew. Yeah. And that was the only thing that I remember discussing. Yeah. And when I went back, they pulled out a copy of the consent form, and it was all, all the printed parts were about the forehead. And then there was a handwritten bit kind of added in in a sentence that there can be a complication from the masseter injection. To be honest with you, I fully don't remember whether it was discussed. I was going to have to assume that it was there when I signed it because I doubt they would have gone through the trouble of faking it. Yeah, 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 of course. But one of the feedback points I did give to them is please do add it into your consent form and make sure it's covered equally in the consultation because I didn't fully comprehend the risk that could happen from the masseter injection. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, when people have masseter muscle injections, there's another very small muscle called the rhizorius muscle, and that's probably the one that was affected in your case. It's a small muscle, but it's very highly variable between people, and not everyone has it. It also runs very differently in, in, in people. So in a sense, probably extra care just needs to be taken when performing those masseter injections. And also a thorough consultation to cover that is really important because like in your case, it appearing a few days later, that's quite traumatizing from your point of view. And also knowing the fact that the effect will last 
three to four months and you were facing clients that also affected you psychologically? Yeah, I think if I had known it could happen, at least when it showed up, I could have been like, okay, I know what that is. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in the beginning, I was like, am I seeing things? Yeah. And uh, I remember reaching out to you guys and being like, this happened. Is this normal? What's going yeah. on? And mm-hmm. using the information you just said, yeah. I went back and I wanted to see how that doctor would explain things. Yeah. Because I think because I had the experience with the lip injections guy, yeah. it was kind of a bit... Not necessarily the most legit. <laughs> because I started beating myself up. I was like, do I always pick the wrong practitioner? Yeah. So I went back. And to be fair to her, she explained it to me exactly like you did. Yeah. Same uh, terms. And I mean, she was really upset, like to the point where I wanted to comfort her. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the worst outcome for, for us. You know, we never want to see a patient upset or have and that I think that's very important to know because um, it's not just her just trying to brush you off I think it's really important that we both appreciate that she was also very upset about what's happened and you also gave her feedback about that particular complication probably needs to be covered a little bit in in a little bit more detail during the consent process and I think it's really important that she was there to take it all on board. How did that yeah. whole process make you feel? Like after you had the complication and having the fact that you were able to go back to her, how did that make you feel like as a client or as a user? I mean, I think it was amazing that they actually took it on board. She took it seriously from day one. Um, I, I called the clinic and spoke with the secretary or whoever it is, assistant person, and she asked for photos right away. They got back to me by email, I think the same day or next day. And in fact, what I really appreciated is after I left the consultation, um, she had escalated it to her boss, yeah. um, the owner of the, of the home clinic and he wrote me as well yeah so I mean they obviously took it very seriously yeah so I felt um I felt very comforted by that I felt that they care about me as a patient that they were just after my money yeah that they took things very seriously and also ultimately gave me a sense of reassurance that I made the right choice as well Mm -hmm. um that I wasn't just you know taken for a fool yeah Yeah. um so so that helped obviously I still had to wait for my smile to come back but um, now I'm faced with a new dilemma, which is, do I go back to the same doctor or do I start the search all over again? And do I even want to bother having this procedure for a second time? Yeah. Because I think if I had the exact same side effect, I would just feel like the biggest idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's up to you on what you feel you're comfortable with, especially in these times. The other thing is it shows that actually complications can happen to a lot of experienced doctors like there are risks like I don't think people understand that these procedures have risks and even though you've got good qualifications doesn't mean that you won't get complications and it's just how people deal with it yeah I think like we always say it's not that complications can't happen if you had your procedures done by a healthcare professional but what's more important is how they deal with those complications with you as the client the patient and how reassured you feel. Because I think that goes on to me asking, is there anything else that you would change in hindsight after, you know, going through these very different experiences? Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I was left kind of asking the universe is, 
how can how can I as a customer be given the tools to make more informed decision? Because I I appreciate what you say that it's ultimately about what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. But I don't know what I'm comfortable with. I don't know what's normal. I don't really know what the possibilities are. And one of the things I asked when I went back for for the assessment of my um, complication, is I said, do we know the the percentage risk that this might yeah. give someone the information that there is a risk? If the risk is one in a million, it's significantly different than you know every other person. Yeah. And so course, I was yeah. trying to get the tools for me to make a decision. Someone may may consider a much less significant risk. Um, numerically or statistically might consider that as a very big risk to them. Mm-hmm. Compared to me, I might think that's actually fine. I'll, I'll take the chances. And I think the thing that would really help me make that decision is knowing exactly how prevalent those risks are. Yeah, And I can't find that information anywhere. Mm. And I think what's important is that during the consent procedure, not only is... Um, Things that are things that commonly happen, you have to tell the patient. So, say for example, if something happens like one in one in hundred or one in a thousand people, that's fairly common, and you probably should mention it as um, as one of the top risks. But the other thing is that also things that will have a high impact. So, for example, like losing a smile on one side of the face is is I would say you know it, it is a big consequence. Because that's something that is really important. You're facing people every day. If your appearance changes as a result and not in a way that you desire it to be, then that is quite a big impact, I would say. And that's definitely something that has to be mentioned in the consent. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's exactly the type of information that helps make an informed decision. Of course. Because I don't want to just take a decision based on a leap. I want to take a decision based on information and on data that we have. Yeah, of course, yeah. So now I've learned that in order to pick a practitioner, yeah. the data that I need is you know, their qualifications, their experience, yeah. maybe reviews. So then what, what data do I need to make a decision about the safety? In a way, I feel that with a lot of medical things in my life that are in the traditional medicine realm, yeah. I often expect the doctor to to help make that decision for me and I just wonder how much that applies to the cosmetic world yeah. whether I should have that expectation at all I'm I glad think- that you're bringing it up that it's it's not an easy process it's yeah. not as easy as just you know walking into a hairdresser to get a haircut because even that process is quite difficult you'd be like oh which yeah, one's the best hairdresser so so this is a medical treatment so so like you know the thought process would be a lot more complicated yeah. than just going to get your nails done or haircut. It, it, it is a much more complicated, complex process, I would say. Yeah, and it's a, I think it's an area which is not thoroughly researched anyway, especially in the UK. Mm-hmm. Unlike like a real medical procedure where you can get this evidence. So I think it's really difficult to make an informed choice. Yeah, but if you look at what I ended up doing, right, is I talk to you guys, and I think if you have someone you trust yeah. that has medical qualifications, yeah. yeah, that's what helps you the most, because you know that you can ask them a question that's nuanced, and they'll have yeah. a view on it, and they can um, point you in the right direction with information, they can reassure you whether something's normal, or if it's yeah. not, and what to do, and I think when it comes to medical procedures, that's what you need, and as a consumer... 
I sometimes worry about the state we're in where you can get these treatments or, or procedures done anywhere. I've seen so many Groupons and, and other things um, advertised. And then that's what worries me the most is that you're kind of participating in this proliferation of these procedures yep. as a consumer because there are so many places that can benefit from them financially, yep. but only a subset of those places should be doing them in the first place. Yeah. yeah, And if something does go wrong, you don't know what to do. And I think I'm so glad that when I did have the complication, it was after I had gone to a real doctor. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that, that made all the difference. Yeah, of course. And coming back to the safety in the medical aesthetic industry, were you aware that in most other countries, such as in Europe or in the States, only healthcare professionals like doctors, dentists and nurses are allowed to perform these treatments? That's insane. Why are we allowing non-doctors, exactly. <laughs> medically trained professionals to do it here? That infuriates me because, again, it makes me feel like we're taking advantage of, of patients and of customers. Yeah. And it's more about profit than anything else. Is it because it's more expensive to see a medically No, I think they no, just have... More strict regulations in other countries compared to this country. In this country, there is literally no regulations in yeah. the medical aesthetic industry, uh, especially with things like fillers and uh, you know like the toxin injections that you've had. So filler, even the products, you can literally get hundreds of different types of filler products in the UK. Mm-hmm as opposed to maybe something like only 10 in the US, because the regulations are just so much more strict over there. It just goes to show how different each country is in terms of their regulations and the safety it imposes, the safety threat that it imposes onto the clients and the consumers. Well, I mean, it makes sense, as I said, after I learned about the SAFE app, SAFE app app. <laughs> I thought to myself, why did I ever think it was okay for a random person off the street to inject my face? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a different perspective once you think about everything that can go wrong. Yeah, because I, I, think, I think what's um, interesting is because a lot of people, like yourself included, you don't know what you don't know until you then know about it. So, for example, exactly. the safety aspect is, is such a big and important topic that that you know consumers if they don't know about it it doesn't bother them something like you know the cost of it would be something that you know would would influence their decision more than um the safety aspect of it and i think exactly yeah people forget that skin is the largest organ like because you've always had it it's always there you don't think like you know it actually has a medical benefit of you having that your skin there. It's a it's an organ in in itself, and people forget you've got vessels. You know you get scarring, and it's the first thing people see about you. And I think the way I look at it is we have regulations for health and safety in so many areas in the UK. You have to have a license to drive a car. True. Um, I assume as a consumer that if we're allowing nail technicians to inject fillers then it must be a really benign risk it must be really safe exactly because then otherwise if it were really risky then it wouldn't be allowed yeah and i think it's unfair to put the onus on the consumer yeah or to blame on the consumer when things go wrong yeah of course we're allowing these situations to happen true so obviously the other reason why we've started Save App is because to reduce the stigma surrounding these treatments, especially because a lot of people, I don't know if you've actually come across those people um, who say that, oh, 
having a medical aesthetic treatment is a bit superficial, especially mm-hmm. coming from like a medical background when I started doing it. I felt like I was going to be judged for thinking about my appearance. Yeah. Because there's mm-hmm. so many other things out there which are very serious. So what are your thoughts about this? I think in our society, we expect women to look good. Yeah. And then we punish women for caring too much about how they look. It's like, so where is the balance? <laughs> yeah, where is the balance? <laughs> and there is no balance. And I think it's unfair, um, but it is what it is. Yeah. And I think if if people um, are expected to to show up to work looking good and to look a certain way, to, you know, be in certain circles in society, and if we're going to judge women... Um, when they go on podiums at the government level and write about the, their appearance and tabloids, then we have to accept that there's going to be things that women want to do True. to look after their appearance. And I think anyone in terms of close circle, um, you know, friends and family who judges that is suffering a lack of empathy. Yeah. I think the conversation should be what caused you to want to do this? And if it's truly for someone else or you're getting pressure, then... Again, it's not about being conceited. I think it's it's a relationship issue or it's something else. It's an insecurity issue. Yeah. But I don't think you can blame women for being insecure in, in our society. Yeah. But also, I, I would say it's not only women who um, face problems like this. There are also men out there who um, also want to look good. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get treatments for your skin conditions. And in your case, for example, like your clenching problems, like these are all like medical problems. So there is nothing wrong with going out to seek um, alternate treatments, I would say. I think it's even harder for men, isn't it? Because I've never met a man who openly admitted to having a cosmetic procedure done. And even men I've met who, um, you know, get their eyebrows done or dye their their hair have been met with ridicule. And I think it's changing. Yeah. yeah, makeup for men is coming around. And like the doctor who injected my lips said, he had a little bit of Botox down your lips. We're talking about equality. Yeah, here. it's all about equality. There's absolutely nothing wrong with men wanting to, you know, yeah. look better. Like, I would say, go for it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think if it's coming from the right place, yeah, it's, it's fabulous. And I think there's a reason why when you go for you know, invasive and risky procedures. Like when I was researching breast augmentation, there's a reason you have to be assessed psychologically because you don't want to accidentally play into someone's um, condition mentally yeah. or anything like that and, you know, get something done for the wrong reasons or with the wrong expectations. Yeah. But, I mean, I think people need to chill out too. I mean, we're literally talking about making your lips plumper. We're not talking about, you know getting a limb cut off. I think there's other things to judge people for. There's plenty of problems in society. That is true. I'm really lucky to have friends who also have um, cosmetic procedures done, whether it's skin uh, treatments with microdermabrasion or laser therapy or fillers in cheeks and chins and changing the shape of their face and all sorts of things. I think if it makes you happy and you can afford it, go for it. Exactly. I agree. So what are your thoughts on SafeApp? I think I wish SafeApp existed when I first went on this journey. Um, because I wouldn't have even thought of opening Google. I would have just directly gone to the app and I would have found someone. And I would have saved myself a lot of time and a lot of anxiety yeah. around 
am I going to the right person? What is their background? Yeah. Um, I think in the climate we're in, like we said, where this industry is not regulated, yeah. whether I like it or not, as a consumer, I have to take responsibility for mm-hmm. the risk and the outcomes of my cosmetic procedure decisions. Yeah. And SafeApp makes it so much easier to do. I also want to be connected to, to practitioners who work hard to yeah. get the qualifications and to learn and who are there yeah, to of course, yeah. mm-hmm. do the right thing um, and support them rather than the dude who decided that everyone should be a blue <laughs> I'm really glad that you as a um, client feel that way because I think um, if you've only ever met a practitioner like him and you've never gone out to meet other practitioners like your second practitioner, the doctor, then you would not know that there is such a huge difference between you know the bedside manners between the two of them. And you now know what to actually expect out of like a consultation and what should actually, you know, the process of how you should get a medical aesthetic treatment should be more like the second practitioner as opposed to the first practitioner telling you to get your fine lines done. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't want to be infantilized or condescended by someone that you then trust to inject your face. I yeah. think what we need to, to get to is a place where as a consumer, you're an adult and you go to a person who it talks to you like one and who sees you on a level playing field and is able to empower you with information and help you to make an informed decision and stay in control rather than someone who shames you into wanting to spend more money on injections. Yeah. Awesome. I think we've come to the end of this. Yeah, I just want to say that I'm so glad that you two are spending a lot of valuable time putting this resource together. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I've shared it with my friends and um, I'll continue using it. And I think it's it's a long time that we needed this tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thank, thank you very much for your time, Amy. We are really, really grateful that you were able to join us today. And also, it was very insightful to hear everything from your side. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope that someone who's listening is able to make better decisions, maybe go out for a treatment that they were worried about. And thank you so much for demystifying and normalizing all of this. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good day. Thank you so much.